growing up for me, um, one of my favorite things to watch, you'll, you'll figure out when I, what age I grew up in, was the, the Battle of the Network Stars. I used to love that show. And it was a day and age when we didn't really get to see the stars of TV and movies, you know, just everywhere and anywhere in the 24-hour news cycle and, and internet access. And so it was kind of a special thing to see them out of their element and out of the characters that they played. And, and I love the, the Battle Network stars, particularly the obstacle course. Love the obstacle course. And, and part of the kind of the new version of that is this uh, um, American Ninja Warrior thing. I don't watch that often, but when I do, you know, come clicking through and, or I'll see a clip on, on Facebook or something, and it's just amazing what these folks do. And, it, and many times it's the, the, the least, the person you least expect to be able to complete this course, and they're just, they're flying through it, doing these amazing things, and wondering how in the world they're hanging on and getting across these obstacle courses. And Today we're going we're to talk about some obstacles and that Jesus experienced and how Jesus moved past these obstacles and how we can too. And I have some experience with obstacles this week. I had a big obstacle communicating to the guy cutting my hair of what a number two guard is, and, uh, but let's hope and pray that it's still in a place where it will grow back eventually. Yeah. It's overrated, right, George? Except for that hair and the ears and things we were talking about earlier. So uh, we're going to be looking again at the Gospel of Luke as we are during this Lenten season in the, the 13th chapter, starting in verse 31. Hear the word of the Lord. At that time, some Pharisees approached Jesus and said, Go, get away from here, because Herod wants to kill you. Jesus said to them, go tell that fox, look, I'm throwing out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will complete my work. However, it's necessary for me to travel today and tomorrow and the next day because it's impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. And Jesus continues speaking, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You who kill the prophets and stone those who were sent to you, how often I have wanted to gather your people just as hens gather their chicks under their wings. But you didn't want that. Look, your house is abandoned. I tell you, you won't see me until the time comes when you say, Blessings on the one who comes in the Lord's name. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So as I was looking at this, this text and preparing, I, a couple things jump out to me. The first is, it starts right off with the Pharisees warning Jesus. And it's not often that we, we see the Pharisees, most of the time we see the Pharisees in this adversarial relationship with Jesus. You know, they're, they're criticizing what he's doing, they're trying to catch him in a misstep. And this is like one of the only times in the scripture where we see the Pharisees kind of helping Jesus. And there are a lot of factions in Israel in the first century 
you had the Pharisees who were, were part of the legal authorities. They were uh, folks who believed in the written law, the, the Torah, the first five books of the Hebrew Bible, but they also believed in an oral interpretation of the law. Well, we, we later get this thing called Midrash, and it was their, the, the Pharisees' interpretations of the law. So they had this written law, the oral, the, uh, oral law, and the Pharisees also believed in the resurrection of the dead. They believed that there was some kind of afterlife. And their arch enemies were the Sadducees. The Sadducees were, were also kind of royalty and priestly, but they were centered only on the written law. They didn't have any oral tra traditions. They, the strictly the written law, keeping the written law, specifically the sacrificial system that was tied to the temple very much focused on the temple and the law. And they did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. There was strong opposition to those two folks. And then a couple of other folks that are around are the Herodians. The Herodians were, were Jews who were fans at this point of Herod Antipas, who was Herod the Great from the, the birth story of Jesus. This is Herod Antipas, who was, was Herod's son, and was ruler over just a small part of the kingdom that Herod was ruler over. And the Herodians believed that Herod Antipas was, in fact, going to be the Jewish Messiah. And so they rallied around him to, to for, bring forth what they thought was the kingdom. And then two lesser groups, one was the Essenes. The Essenes were kind of a separatist group who lived out near the... Uh, the place near the Dead Sea called Qumran. If you've heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls, we had a discovery in, in this mid-20th uh, mid, uh, century of some scrolls near the Dead Sea. They lived in this community called Qumran, and they, were, they had kind of pulled themselves out of society. They focused on, on prayer and fasting and reading the scriptures and writing the scriptures. And uh, many believe that uh, Jesus may have been a part of that community at one time or had visited that community. And then we have the Zealots, and we have one of, one of the uh, disciples was part of the Zealots group, and, and these were guys who wanted to go into military battle. They wanted to overthrow Rome and the powers through military and, and fighting might. So those are kind of the, the factions, and, and they were all at odds at different points with Jesus, but particularly the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And and they really kind of hated each other. So it's interesting that we see here the Pharisees coming to the aid of Jesus. And there's some kind of relationship between the Pharisees and, and Jesus that they would want to save him from Herod and the Herodians. Uh, some of the Pharisees we know, Nicodemus, later in, in the Gospel of Luke, becomes a follower of Jesus. Some of them were secretly following Jesus. And, and there's some research even says that Jesus may have been linked and may have been a Pharisee also. The Pharisees were the forerunner of today's rabbis in synagogues. And uh, it's kind of like, I'm wondering, when we look at the Pharisees helping Jesus, it's almost like to me as a Rays fan, like I'll root for the Yankees when they play the Red Sox, you know? So it's almost like the Pharisees want to help Jesus just to kind of stick it to the Herodians here, you know? You know, or anybody, you know, we, you know, 
mean, all good Christians root against the Patriots and anybody who plays them, right? Um, so it's kind of like this. I think these different factions were maybe not aligning themselves with Jesus to help Jesus, but just wanted to kind of not help the other guy. And I wonder if that's what's going on here. So the Pharisees and those factions are what we have happening in this text. And, and then we have some foreshadowing of events that are to come. In the text we have in verse 32, you have this, this reference. Jesus says that he has to uh, continue his work of, of healing and, and throwing out demons. Today, tomorrow, and on the third day, I will complete my work. The third day being the day that Jesus is resurrected. And part of the work is, is his death on the cross on Friday, but, but the completion of that work for us as Protestants is, is in, in the third day in Jesus' resurrection. We don't just stop on Friday. We, we continue through to the good news of Sunday. And so we have this little foreshadowing that Jesus, his, his work is, he's working today and tomorrow and the third day, literally healing and throwing out demons, but also foreshadowing the events that are coming, that on the third day, he will really complete his work. And then the, the verse right after that, he makes some reference to prophets being killed in Jerusalem. And Jesus is right now out in Galilee area, outside of Judah, and he says, you know, you can tell that fox Herod that you can't kill me until I go into Jerusalem because prophets are killed in Jerusalem. And then the last thing I, I see here is that Jesus had a mission. Jesus had a purpose. Jesus had a, a specific task. And he said, today, tomorrow, and the third day, I'm going to throw out demons, I'm going to heal people, and the third day, I'm going to complete my work. He wasn't letting any obstacles get in his way. He was going to go through with his work. And it reminds us of that scripture that we visited a couple of weeks ago when we were looking at this text with Jesus preaching in Nazareth where he revealed his mission, revealed his purpose. And here you see it in Luke 4, verses 18 and 19, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. This is Jesus speaking the book of Isaiah. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's Jesus's purpose. That's Jesus's mission and his task. And he's not going to let anything stand in the way of that. Not the Pharisees, not Herod, not the Sadducees, or anyone. And he has many different obstacles in front of him. He has, he has the Pharisees. He has all of those different factions that are at some point at odds with Jesus. He has the people whom he kind of refers to in this passage as, as the chicks. You know, he, he has the people of Israel, the people, the very people he's come to save and proclaim the good news to, among others, those people are, are standing. He's, he's weeping over them. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you don't, you don't know why I've even come. And you're, you're pushing against me, and yet I've come to save you and to liberate you. His disciples at times even are an obstacle to him. You know, many times we see Peter. We had Peter in the, the Mount of Transfiguration a couple weeks ago who, who wanted to build these, 
these uh, shelters for Elijah and Moses and Jesus and, and stay on that mountaintop experience. And Jesus said, no, we need to continue what we're doing. Later we have G uh, Peter again step in the way when Jesus talks about his death and, and Jesus says, no, we're going to, you know, even strongly says to Peter, get behind me, Satan, because we need to persevere and go through this obstacle that is coming. And then I wonder, we have a couple glimpses of Jesus himself perhaps being an opportunity of being an obstacle for himself. In our, in our theology, and this is, can be a very difficult idea to grasp, and it's, I think it's one of the mysteries of our faith that maybe we won't grasp this side of heaven, is that Jesus came and, and Jesus was 100% divine and 100% human. You don't have to be a math expert. To, you know, that adds up to more than 100%. And how that is, is an amazing mystery of our faith. But we are told that Jesus is both divine and both human and experiencing every emotion. Last week we looked at the temptations and the temptations that we experience. He experienced everything that we experience. And I wonder if, if Jesus at times may have been an obstacle to his mission and to his purpose and his task. We see in, in the, the Gospel of Matthew at the end Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, saying, My Father, if it's possible, take this cup of suffering away from me. So for a moment, maybe, a, maybe not a sense of doubt, but a sense of, if there's another way, Lord, perhaps if we can find a different way to accomplish this mission, let's do that. And then he goes on to say, though, however, not what I want what you want. And then later, from the cross, that we'll, we'll speak these words on Good Friday. On the cross in Matthew 27, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoting Psalm 22. So even at that time, on the cross, when it's the work of the death and the payment for sins is, is nearly done, and we're awaiting the third day of resurrection, Jesus maybe is having some kind of question of, God, why have you left me here alone? Why are you not with me? And so I wonder if there are there other places in the scripture or, or in Jesus' life that we don't have recorded where perhaps he was, the humanness of himself may have been an obstacle for his mission and his purpose and his task. But ultimately, we see in this text that Jesus is focused and says, nothing, nothing, not even my humanness, nothing is going to keep me from my mission and purpose. And that, that mission and purpose that we looked at in Luke 4 is really this, this love of Jesus expressed on the cross and in the resurrection on Sunday. And then continuing... Jesus goes on now then to speak to the people of Israel. In verse 34, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who were sent to you, how often I have wanted to gather your people as a hen gathers chicks under her wings, 
And I, this great image of a mother hen gathering those chicks and protecting them from whatever predators might be. And one of the big predators for hens are foxes like Herod. Foxes are not all that powerful, but foxes are sly and sneaky, and they get into the hen, the hen coop, and they create disruption, and they, they go after the young and the weak. And Jesus wants to come and cover the people of Israel and cover us as a mother hen covers her chicks. I even saw on Facebook this week, I couldn't figure out a way to tie it in, but I thought it was really interesting because we have this image of, of Jesus wanting to cover the chicks. Barb Middlestad had shared this picture on Facebook, and uh, it was this group or this story of this group of mother hens who attacked a fox and killed a fox, in fact. It doesn't really work for the scripture, but it was like, it was kind of talking about how, how these mother hens were going to do whatever it took to protect they're young. And Jesus is going to do whatever it takes for us and to protect us and to rescue and save us. Now, guys, we have this, this feminine imagery. And I know it's not, it's not, even in the 21st century, it's not real cool to you know, have this mothering aspect. And we, we don't always like to talk about the mothering qualities of Jesus and the mothering qualities of, G, of God. But but there's plenty of examples that we can see in our world of, of nurturing figures who are male figures as well. Nurturing is, is not just a feminine quality. Nurturing is a human quality. And probably all of us, including myself, we need to probably take a cue from some of our uh, uh, female companions to be a little more nurturing as a hen protects their young at times as well. So we all face obstacles that stand in our way from accomplishing the goals or the purpose or the missions that are ahead of us. And um, I was wondering maybe just what, what are some of those obstacles that you face at different times? I've got a list, but I was curious of what you may come up with. Time, yeah, I didn't think of that one. That's a good one. Time. Yourself, yeah. Rent. I like to say that this that should should pass, but um, in my middle age, it's not quite passing yet. <laughs> Bills. What other obstacles do you face in accomplishing goals and purposes and tasks in your life? Yeah. yeah I, I thought about fear, self-doubt. Self-doubt that may all of these things may come from our, our, our past or our family of origin, but fear and self-doubt maybe, as Will shared, maybe financial limitations, maybe lack of self-care, maybe you've been going so hard for so long and you haven't cared for yourself that you need to, to step back and care for yourself so that you can press on to care for others or to, to, to take care of your mission and purpose. Kind of the old you know, adage when, you, when you're flying, you know, in the case of emergency, the, 
the, uh, the oxygen mask will drop down, and if you're with somebody, take care of your mask first, and then secure the mask of somebody with you. If you can't care for yourself, then you can't accomplish your purpose. How about unhelpful input from others? You ever get some unhelpful inputs or feedback from others? That kind of like just kind of takes the air out of your balloon and your enthusiasm and your, your want to, to accomplish goals and tasks? What about being in a rut or being in a routine? And, and just, this is what I do, this is all I do, and, and, and trying to kind of get out of that rut. And it really, it's difficult. This is what, you know, you got into this pattern and trying to get out of it to overcome The last one I thought of was being overwhelmed with the bigness of the mission or the purpose or the task. That sometimes looking at the end overwhelms us so much that we don't end up beginning. And these obstacles then become, become distractions from our mission and purpose. And they're either distractions that are either self-imposed by us or, or imposed by others, but they become distractions from us accomplishing our mission and purpose. And they give us an excuse to rationalize, well, you know, well, that was, that was a dumb idea to begin with. There's no way I could have done that anyways. Or an excuse to blame others, like, well, I could have done this, but, you know, my husband, my wife, my parents, my boss... Or maybe an excuse to move off course. Yeah, that, that, that was not possible. So really, now we're, I think we should go this way rather than pressing on through the obstacle. And lastly, maybe not even getting that far, but it becomes an excuse to quit entirely and say, I'm done. I'm done with this relationship. I'm done with this mission. I'm done with whatever task. I'm, I'm done with this job. I'm done with trying to get out of debt. I was listening to a podcast this week with the poet Mary Oliver. Mary Oliver passed away several months ago, but she's a prolific poet of our lifetime. And if you don't know her, you should, you should pick up some, uh, some Mary Oliver poetry. She, she, she grew up in the Northeast near um, Cape Cod, and then uh, and lived there most of her life, and this the last couple of years lived down here on the east coast of Florida. What she said in this podcast was that what we attend to is what we are devoted to. And if we attend to and be, are focused on the obstacles, if that gets our attention, then we're not going to be able to overcome them. But if we decide to dedicate our attention to the mission or the purpose or the task that is at hand, we can press on. So a couple of three thoughts of how do we overcome these obstacles. The first one is we need to set our face toward the goal. Whatever the mission, the purpose, the goal, the task is, set our face toward that. Jesus is getting ready now and making a transition and setting his face toward Jerusalem. 
And in that same capacity, we need to set our face toward our mission and purpose and goal, whether that be individually or communally as a community called grace. And when we face opposition, when we face obstacles, we need to keep moving. Keep moving, doing something so that we don't come to a standstill and lose momentum, that just keep pressing on. Keep your legs churning and moving. And we need to also then trust and focus on God. You know, we set our face toward the goal, we keep moving, we face an obstacle, and then we may be ready to make an excuse and to give up or to change our goal or, or to... Um, become focused on the obstacle, but we, we focus and trust on God to, to give us what we will need to press on past the obstacle. There's this fabulous quote from Martin Luther King. You know, and when we don't know what the next step might be, we're overwhelmed by the bigness of our goal, perhaps. Martin Luther King says that faith is taking the first step, or maybe even taking the next step, even when you can't see the whole staircase. So when we find an obstacle, set our face toward the goal and, and keep moving, trusting that God will give us the next step. And just keep your feet moving, and God will give us the next step as we go. Sometimes I like to say this is like building the bicycle as we're riding the bicycle and trusting that God is going to put all the parts together. Setting our face toward the goal. Keeping moving. And trusting and focusing on God. And just like Jesus, we can overcome the obstacles in our individual lives and in our lives as a community of faith. Amen? Amen. Would you stand and sing as we close our worship? Amen.